Welcome to the Play Big Brand Bold Podcast, Episode 8. Welcome to the Play Big Brand Bold Podcast, helping you play a bigger game in your business and brand bolder to stand out in the crowd. Each week, I'll be sharing interviews with business and creative professionals, as well as sharing insights and strategies to help you do more of the things you want to do in your business, get confident, clear, and capable to build your business, brand, and bottom line. Welcome back. It is so good to have you here. I am your host, Suzanne Chadwick founder of the Connection Exchange and the creator of the online course for women in business by the same title, Play Big Brand Bold, helping you stand out from the crowd and do big things. And today I am excited to introduce you to Liza Simpson. Liza Simpson is the creator or founder of Wave Creative and she specializes in Facebook ads and website conversions. And I have learned so much from her Uh, Since I've connected with her, she is one of the members in our uh, Connection Exchange membership group and uh, she is a friend as well. So Liza works with both large corporates as well as small businesses to really help you to get the most out of your website. I think that so many of us have websites that look amazing but maybe don't do the work that we need them to do. So today we are going to be talking about how you can get the most out of your website, helping people do what you want them to do when they arrive on your website and how you can really make sure that journey for them is a good one and you get what you need as well. What a conversion is, because I know so many people kind of have no idea, and how to increase your conversion rate on your website. We're also going to be talking about how to create a more emotional connection with your website visitors. We're going to share some tools to help you see what's happening on your website, as well as things that are worth testing to really optimize the results that your website gets and absolutely get it working for you in your business. So I hope you enjoy this episode and get as much as I did out of it. Liza, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> so we obviously did a Facebook Live a little while ago and the feedback was awesome. I will put a link to that Facebook Live in the show notes as well. But I think that the things that you talk about, which is all around conversion, websites, getting the most out of your marketing dollar, funnels and all the rest of it, you are a wealth of knowledge. Uh, is just something that a lot of people struggle with. It's either that they feel it's too complex or they don't understand it or people who are in your field, not you, but, <laughs> but people in your field make it really complex. And so I think the Facebook Live that we did really resonated with people because we really simplified what all of this means. So I'm really excited to dive in today and I guess give our listeners a whole lot more so that they can really understand how to maximize their conversions and their lead generations to their website mm-hmm. and make sure that they don't just have something that is pretty and looks good, but something that really gets them more clients, which at the end of the day... Is what it's all about. Exactly. <laughs> Excellent. I think um, conversions, interesting what you say, because I think 
over the last five years or even 10 years in digital marketing, the focus has always been on lead generation and traffic, particularly traffic. So search engine optimization, pay-per-click, now Facebook advertising, but it's all about bringing the traffic into your website. And it not so much is spoken about what happens when they get there. And I think there's a real divide between website designers who are concentrated or who are marketers um, and then marketers. So there's a bit of a divide that's coming together. So that, you know, a lot of what you'll see in the next five years is more about conversions and getting the most out of the marketing dollar. Okay, interesting. But because like you said, we are looking at you know Facebook ads and spending money so that we can get people to opt in, sign up, go to our website, go to our offer, whatever it is. Uh, and I do think that there is a really big gap because they're sort of saying, oh, well, awesome. I, I only paid, you know, X for that click, but we're not really looking at, did they purchase? It's not just about, did they sign up? Did they go to the page? But did they purchase? And I think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs or small businesses don't really know how to carry it through. Absolutely. And I guess when they build a website, there's this sort of underlying belief that the website will be maximized to get the most out of it. You sort of, you know, you know that the website's being built by people who understand technology um, and you don't really think about, hey, what happens when people get to my site? Of course they're going to buy it. They're there already. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> I think that. Why well, exactly. That? <laughs> and look, people do understand it to a degree because they know that they need to spend money and time on brand because brand's so important. They know that they need to create something that people will engage with and you know that people are going to see as an authority and say, yes, I'm going to buy from them because of that. So they do understand it to a degree. But there's things that happen when they get to the site which really changes the way that they will react on the site. So that next step is really important. Yeah, and we are going to dive into that. So uh, you, I know that you obviously do build websites for small businesses as well or for SMEs and corporates, uh, but a lot of our listeners are already small business owners and most likely nine out of 10 times have got a website. So if I've already got a website, what are some of the things that I need to be thinking about or doing now to try and really optimize the opportunity? All right, so before we start, I really wanna talk about what a conversion is and Great. what it means, because I get a lot of um, people saying to me, what are you talking about? And why do you keep talking about this conversion? <laughs> so really a conversion is just the purchase, essentially. So it's, it's taking somebody from a lead to buying from you. And it can come in any way, shape or form. So it could be something that you talk about when you're talking about Facebook ads, or it could be something you're talking about on your website. So when we talk about it on a website, it's someone coming to your site and then taking the desired action that you want. So that conversion might be the, a contact form. Um, it might be a purchase of an actual product. So any of those actions are conversions. Right, so we know what a conversion is. So why is it so important? <laughs> this is the interesting part. Um, the average conversion rate is one percent. All right, so that's across websites. So the bottom range, the top range. So a lot of big corporates over the last couple of years have realised, and they've spent a lot of money on converting. You might have seen pop-ups on your screen yeah. come up saying, "What do you think of this website?" They've spent a lot of money on this because the technology a few years ago 
wasn't as um, developed as it is now in terms of tracking sites. So they spent a lot of money figuring this out. Um, so on the top end of the scale, you're probably looking at 10 to 15% conversion. Wow. But for the majority of websites out there, and that's a vast majority, mm. even medium-sized business, it's 1%. Okay. So that's basically the number of people that come to your website as opposed to those who buy. Yeah, so you know, you might have um, you might be pulling in you know thousand uh, site visitors a month, which is awesome, but the average conversion of those thousand is just one percent. Mm -hmm. So, say for instance, you're spending you know three thousand dollars on SEO, a mixture of SEO and paid traffic, mm -hmm. right? So you're spending three thousand dollars. If your average sale is $150, let's say, you know, you might be a restaurant or, you, you know, you might have a course, it's $150, um, you, you're getting a thousand people coming into that site and you're converting at 1%. Yeah. Okay. So you're making $1,500 from your $3,500. Yeah. Okay. You're not getting a return on investment from, from what you're spending. So you're driving all this traffic to your website and you're just not getting the conversions at 1%. So... The whole idea is that you you maximise what you're spending on driving traffic to your site and all your other marketing activities. So that's your brand, your SEO, all that content work that you're busy trying trying to do. Mm. You're taking that and you're maximising what you're getting on the site and bringing that one percent up to ten percent. You know, all of a sudden you've got your thousand dollars is coming up to ten thousand dollars. Amazing. So you're getting a return on investment, and it's highly possible. As weird as it sounds. There are small things that you can do that can bring you from 1% to 10%. So what when I talk about conversions, it's coming up with a strategy that's long-term. It's not just, you know, let's just do one thing and see how it goes. It's committing to that long-term strategy and making it part of your overall marketing strategy. That will get you the most out of your marketing dollars. How long is long-term? Forever. <laughs> so look, you know, you know that your content is important, right? So yes. everybody lately knows content is king, right? Content is king. Conversions also king because your content only matters if you're getting conversions from it. Yes. Otherwise, it's pointless. Yeah. So you, you can spend thousands and thousands of dollars. And look, I see so many. The reason why this became such a passion of mine over the last 12 months is because I saw so many businesses coming to me having spent thousands of dollars on SEO, um, and thousands of dollars on advertising um, and saying to me, I don't understand why I'm not getting leads. I don't understand why I'm getting traffic and I'm not getting leads. Yeah. And then I was able to look at it and say, the reason is, is because either the, you know, the traffic that's coming to you is coming from the wrong places in terms of what they're searching for is not what they're getting on site. Mm -hmm. um, or once they're getting to site, they're not finding what they need and they're leaving. So that's essentially what conversions and why conversions are so important. Because if you're going to spend money on marketing, which everybody knows they need to do, make sure that you're not losing 99% of those of that spend on not getting a conversion. Yeah, and I think we're not going to talk about it today, but I will be going into at some point around that content and really looking at how you can be targeting different audiences with your content as well. Because it's so true, we get drummed into us, create, 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 create. And it's all about getting it out there and attracting people, etc. But yeah, at the end of the day, if it's not actually getting you clients, you know, it might be getting you fans. Yeah. <laughs> people love your content, awesome, thanks. 
but it's not converting. I think that, you know, that's definitely something that we need to be looking at. And, and that's the hardest thing for small business um, and medium-sized business is that they feel like they're spinning their wheels because yes. they know everyone's telling them to produce content, everyone's yes. telling them to drive traffic, and then they're saying, but hang on, what, I'm, I am literally run ragged and I don't understand why it's not converting to SaaS. And that's not just one, we can't fix it with just converting your website. There's more to it than that. Mm. But certainly introducing a conversion strategy long-term mm. or making sure that you're looking at that process will help with the ultimate goal. Awesome, so let's get into some of the tips on how you can potentially be working towards that 10%. Absolutely. Um, so when you're looking at your website conversions. So where do we start? Okay. So really it's a process of gathering insight, but where I would start to do that is to look at traffic. So you really want to understand what the demand is for your product in terms of the traffic that's coming in. Once you understand that, you can frame your website better to capture that traffic that's coming in. So to give you an example, um, I had a client that had a really niched product. He was selling um, specific uh, tradie business coaching. So really just for tradies, which is a really great niche. He knew that he'd spoken to people and they said that they needed that kind of business coaching. He knew there was a market for it. So he designed his website really focused on tradie coaching all trade, you know, it was great. When we looked at the traffic, there was no demand, right? So the traders aren't searching for that particular problem to be solved. So it means that you've got to be really careful. If you're structuring your site around that and then trying to drive traffic to it, you may be getting traffic from another source. So your keywords might be business coaching, it might be business coaching for small business. You're going to get that traffic, you're not going to get the tradie traffic, right? So you've got to be really careful about what you're doing from a marketing perspective, what your traffic and demand is, and then how you structure your website. So for him, what would have made more sense is to create a number of product-specific pages, and this can go for everybody as well, product-specific pages to drive traffic to, particularly if you're really niched. So what you could have is a single page that might have uh, small business coaching and another page that might have tradie coaching. So it's really about understanding where your traffic's coming from, what they're searching for, what problem they're trying to solve, uh, and where you're driving that demand from. So if you're driving it from Facebook based on a specific type of um, copy that you're saying, this is how we're solving a problem, it needs to go to a landing page that answers that problem. Yeah. Is that making sense? Yes. So just with that, a couple of questions. So to really understand that traffic or what people are searching on, that's the SEO part of it, where you understand, obviously, what are the main questions or you know, things people are searching on when they go to Google that might be re relevant to what you're doing. Yeah, so have a look at your keywords. You know what your keywords are and you know that, you know, you're, you're, you're targeting those particular keywords. But just have a look and, and look at your market and look at the quick, the long tail keywords that they're searching for and the problems that they're trying to solve and make sure you're answering that really quickly. So really understanding your traffic is important for making sure you that's a seamless transition for that person. So when they get there, they're not abandoning your site. So understand your traffic first, it's a small part of it. Um, and then it's about gathering insights and, and what that can be, you can use a number of different tools to do that. So if you've got an existing site, you might ask um, you know, friends, family, if they're in your niche, get them to have a look at your website. What's working, what's not working. 
then you can take it to the next level, which is to, you can engage, uh, there's particular companies out there that have user testing. So you can engage user testing, you can buy a certain volume of, of users to test based in your demographic. So if your demographic's 25 to 35 women, you can purchase 100 people to test your wow. site and get back results and they'll come back and say, you know, I couldn't click on that button, that didn't relate to me, I didn't like that image. You can get a whole lot of data on that if you want to pay for it. It's not hugely expensive. I was about to say, so with something like that, even though my demographic may be, say, women between the age of like 28 and 45 or something like that, but they may not have the problem that I'm looking for. So how do those testing sites work with that? Yeah, so in terms of what you're gonna get back, you need to frame the right questions as well. So you need to be asking the right questions of, um, does this solve your problem? Yes. But you, there's, there's only so much you can get out of those sorts of testing sites. And I would primarily use them for things like um, the, how the funnel is working. We'll talk about funnels in yes. a second. But uh, each step that's taken, you know, is this button clickable? Is, is this page findable? Can I find a menu? Can I find the price? Those sorts of questions. So you can kind of get more of a functionality answer from it. Okay. Um, and then some feedback in terms of overall feedback. Oh, you know, I found that, that the site didn't answer questions correctly or I couldn't, I wasn't able to get from A to B. So those sorts of questions. Um, and then you can actually implement an ongoing tool that will measure, look at your site continuously. You can ask questions on site that pop up. Now, you, I know that you've installed one of these. <laughs> I talked about it last time. So there's, there's Hotjar, there's also Crazy Egg, and there's a number of others. Hotjar and Crazy Egg are probably the most popular. They're really, they've got free options and they're really simple, really easy to use. Um, all you need to do is add a tag to your site and then it starts recording. So what you can constantly be doing is looking at how people are interacting with your site. You can have a pop-up asking them questions about what they think about your site and you can look at heat mapping. So heat mapping will tell you when someone's clicking on something, um, it will tell you um, where, whether they're leaving after the first Third, so how many people leave after the first section? How many people leave after the you know third section? It tells you yeah what, what buttons they're interacting with the most and what text they're looking at. So it gives you a whole heap of data. Yeah, so I really thought it was amazing when because the last time we spoke about it, I then went and installed it, and my uh, website VA actually said she had a whole lot of clients that asked for her to install it after the Facebook Live that you did as well. But it was amazing. Yeah, going and actually watching all of these recordings of people who are on my site and really seeing where they're going, what they're clicking on, like what they're spending time Absolutely. looking at and watching the mouse move over certain sections going back up. I kind of feel like people use their mouse as their eyes. Absolutely. Which I found fascinating when I was watching the recordings on Hotjar and it was, yeah, amazing. I think that if you haven't got it on your site, get it on your site, there is a free option there as well. Uh, and I have also installed it so it asks a question, which a few people have answered, which I'm just like, wow, that's yeah. so exciting. And that's where you'll start to get that problem solving response. So you'll know, okay, you know, you can ask the question, were you able to say, you know, whatever your, your problem solving is, were you, were you able to solve that problem? 
Um, you know, it's a really important tool long term to have on your site because you really do get some insight that you just think, wow, I had no idea yeah. that's what people were looking for. I have no idea that that's the journey that they were taking. So before we move to the next step, that's a good um, chance to talk about the journey and funnels. Great. Can I just ask a quick question? Sure. Do you have any recommendations or thoughts, and I know it's going to be business dependent, on what are some good questions that you could ask with a pop-up like that? Um, so, you know, did you find the information that you were looking for? Yes. Um, what information were you looking for? That's what I've <laughs> asked. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, how did you feel about, or how did you feel when you arrived at the site? Um, what were you expecting? So that could be some okay. of the questions on your, when you first arrive. When you get down to the next pages around price, it could be um, if you decided to purchase, what helped you make that decision? So can you ask different questions on different pages? Yeah. I did not know that. Okay. It I'm, might be you need to, need to it check might be the, paid, the paid versions, paid version, but yes, yeah. you can. Okay, that's so Which is really exciting. important for the next step in terms of A-B testing, which we'll get to as well. Okay, great. So part of that gathering insight, so you've gathered all this insight and you know, okay, great, I've, I've looked at what's working, what's not working. I've asked people what they think. Um, I've got all this information. What's really important is stepping out your funnels, okay? So funnels is one of those terms that is used a lot these days mm-hmm. and for different things. And sometimes as a marketer, I get caught up in throwing it around willy-nilly and, you know, it's used for different times. Now, a funnel, when you're talking about your email marketing is very different to a funnel that you're talking about from your Facebook advertising perspective. Um, and then a funnel on your website. They're all pretty much the same, but they look a lot different. So in terms of your website, really your funnel is the path that you want people to take to get to the conversion. Okay. Right? So let's, let's say you're selling um, a product. So you want them to go to the front of the page, you want them to search for the product, or you want them to see the product up the front, or you want them to go to a category. Mm -hmm. Then you want them to go to the particular product and you want them to add it to the cart and then exit the cart. So that's a funnel, right? It's like my daily online shopping life. That's right. (laughs) And They they send me an email of their new products. I go, oh, that's exciting. I click on it. I go to the website. I take a look around. Yeah, I go to my category that I want. And that, so that's one part of their yeah. funnel. Another part of their funnel is the steps that happened prior to that, sending you the email and finding you on Facebook or wherever else they found you. Yes. Um, so that's really your funnel. And on websites, it's really important to get that funnel right. If you have a break in that funnel, um, I've looked at some websites recently where their funnel was too complicated. So I was just about to say, you want it to be simple. Like absolutely. I don't want to go through a million different steps just to buy something. That's right. So take, for instance, this example, um, they were selling cocktail classes. Now, the cocktail classes themselves were hidden well below a number of different pages. Mm. So you needed to go to events, then to cocktails then through another page, then to a reservation page. So too complicated. So it's really important to make sure you've stepped out what that funnel looks like and you've made sure that you've got your understanding of what you want it to look like Mm -hmm. and then you test it, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, So the funnel can be so varied for different types of businesses. So for a coaching business, it's it's another complex um, game because what you're looking at is you need to get people to validate you. Then, well... You test that, but what they'll likely be doing is validating against you to say, yeah, this is the kind of person I want to have as a coach. Then they might look at pricing. 
and then they might go to a t contact form. So step out what you think that funnel will look like and then we go to the testing phase. Mm. Yeah, so I guess for me, uh, I might drive somebody, so I might have say, you know, either an ad or a post somewhere talking about an experience of one of my clients, etc. With a link, they then go to that page and on that page I've got obviously the content and the outline of exactly what is on offer. I've got the testimonials on the page so that they don't have to click away and I've got the pricing on the page and then they can book a discovery call as well. And it's got little things like, you know, payment plans available, etc. So I think for me, from a customer experience perspective, I don't want them trying to find stuff. Absolutely. I've tried to make it as simple and as clear as possible for them to get everything they need from that one page and Absolutely. then book. That's right. Yeah. And a broken funnel is not having those things. And what you'll see, um, and this is why before we build a website or rebuild a website, we go through this process because what we find are broken funnels and we see that people are actually, you might think that somebody will just click on a button, but they go through a process mm -hmm. before they make a buying decision. And if you don't have those, the pricing, the packages, whatever else it is that they validate against, it's a broken funnel and they will leave. And you might see that when you're looking at the site recordings, they'll be looking at a page, but there's no call to action. Mm. There's no pricing. They're not finding the things that will convert them to the next step or take them to the next step of the funnel. Yeah. And I mean, this is kind of a different thing, but, or a different topic, but I've been to websites where I might've been looking for a service provider and I've, I, I've gone and checked out testimonials and then I've, there's no price. There's no button to contact them. And I've spent ages looking for it, which has driven me mad. And then I've clicked away and I'm just like, too hard, dude. Absolutely. <laughs> so, but I do find it really amazing that there are a lot of sites where I kind of have to really go hunting to validate whether this is the right person for me or not. Yeah, and, that, and a lot of that is from traditionally websites being built to look nice and to look pretty and to you know be really on brand and not a great deal of thought about the funnel or the thought about okay what's going to happen i'm giving them all this beautiful gallery of images what are they going to do next and likely they might be looking for pricing next so you'll know that when you look at your own site recordings you'll know that that's what they do but you can test that out but you really on every point that there's some kind of decision which will be gallery pricing packages there always should be a call to action so a next mm. step taking you somewhere else awesome yeah so what's next okay so you've got your insights you, you're looking at what people are doing um, you you've created some hypotheses of what you think might work and what might not work when we talk about hypothesis as well, it seems like it's not just your funnel, it's your images. So absolutely everything on your website can result in a conversion or an increased conversion. Mm. So you might think that this picture of this hippie with a nice big beard is really tight modern these days and everyone's got one, I'm gonna stick it on my, my slider image and that's gonna convert people to a sale. Chances are it's not converting. <laughs> And what are the, I, do, I do like the hippie guys with, like the, hippie with, guys. The, uh, with the tinsel or the glitter in oh, their yes, beards. That yeah. might work, yeah. Look, and look, Unsplash, it's fantastic, Unsplash. And it's great you get all these free images, but, you know, every second image is a guy with a big beard and, you know. And look, there's a lot of them that are the same. And it's great, but we know as marketers that there are certain images that convert people higher than others. And look, 
this marketing game is becoming so finite that mm. it really it really comes down to um, you can increase from one to ten percent just in a few small changes like images and buttons. Yeah, okay. and I have to say just <clears throat> on that as well because obviously I do bang on to all of my clients <laughs> and to my uh, audience about branding. And you, if if you are the business, if you are the service provider, if you are the one delivering, you're not in a bigger organisation, etc. People are buying you. And that's another thing where if I go to a website and I can't find a picture of the person, I'm like, that's weird. Absolutely. So yeah. I think that from an image perspective, if I can see all the information and connect with you and kind of go, ah, oh, he looks nice or she looks nice, and then I've got the testimonials, etc. It just creates a more emo emotional connection there, even before I've potentially contacted you. Absolutely, and that's a, and we'll talk about some of those examples later, but that's a really important uh, step in the initial front page that you get to. It's validation, they come and they validate, um, they'll validate product, they'll validate you, they'll validate whatever they're validating against, mm. and then they'll call to action. So those things are really key as in terms of examples. But when it comes to doing your own process, it's really important to A-B test, okay? So this is really, this is where it comes down to how you actually bring the process into your everyday marketing. So what we do is we, we worked out what we think works, and we put a website up, we're testing it, we're having a look what comes in. What we then do is say, okay, I think this might not work. So I think that this particular button, I'm looking at people go to my slider and they're clicking on the wrong button or they're mm. clicking on a, a, a menu, they're all clicking on the food menu button. So what would happen if I move that food menu button below? What will happen to my conversions? So you can create a whole bunch of hypotheses and say, okay, I think if I move my call to action button, that will change things. I think if I change my main image, it will change things. I think if I add a menu to my front page with pricing, it might change things. And then you test them. Okay, so A-B testing, that process of A-B testing is that traditionally, uh, say for Facebook advertising, you might create two ad sets exactly the same and you might test audience, you might test um, an image, but you always only test one thing. So it's really about a controlled testing process so that you can see what happens. So when you're testing your website, you might change your slider and see if that makes any difference. Now, is there a way for me to test that without having technology like Hotjar in the background? Is it is it gonna be a lot easier that way? Or is if I'm not using something like that, at the end of the day, I'm just kind of waiting to see <laughs> if there's any changes? Yes, yeah, so you're not gonna get a great deal out, you're not really good, it's not really a controlled environment if you're just waiting to see, because you're not gonna know, you'd have to change one thing and then wait months to see whether or not that resulted in something. So yeah. it's not ideal. Ideally, and look, ideally you're dealing with a big volume. The higher the volume of traffic coming into your site, the easier this is. If you have a small amount of traffic, changing one small thing is probably not gonna get you a whole heap of results. So. I would be really focusing on, for small business, if you haven't got much traffic, I'd be focusing on just watching what people are doing, asking questions, and then making some cha changes. So the A-B testing really will work better if you've got a higher volume, because you can see a much bigger selection, and you can see quickly 
what the result is. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you'd be waiting. You know, you ideally want to have more than a thousand responses before you can say, okay, yep, you know, ninety percent of the time that resulted in a conversion versus you know ten percent of the time that one worked. So I'll change it. But you can still get results, particularly with calls to action buttons and the words on those buttons. If you want to make some changes to those images, much harder because you don't know whether that relates to it. Any insights into what words on buttons have worked well? Yes. So I have. I do. I can mention this later. I can mention it now. Yeah. Um, so some of the words that work well are short and punchy. So don't. One thing people think they need to do with calls to action to get really. You know, I'm going to have some long sentence or I'm going to have some really wild and crazy. It doesn't. It's not that. What works are things like get and um, buy and short and punchy. Mm-hmm. It can be a little bit longer, um, but they, it's being creative without being ridiculous yes. um, and not trying too hard, but yes. really just simplifying it. Because really, at the end of the day, it's a button, right? It's not, it's not, it's not a chance for you to market yourself. <laughs> it's a button and it should stay as a button. I think one of the things that people fail at too in terms of conversions is they turn buttons into icons. Mm. They turn buttons into text. That would be confusing. Well, buttons aren't... I mean, at the end of the day, a call to action is not text and it's not an icon. It's a button. Yes. The more of it staying as a button, the higher the conversion. It's that simple and crazy, but it needs to stand out. Yeah. It needs to be short and punchy. You need to be able to see the words. A lot of times people put words on and you can't quite see them. Mm. And, And yeah, it needs to be a button. (laughs) <laughs> sometimes the simple things are often sometimes the best sometimes the simple things but it's particularly important and you know um, we can probably start talking about some of the examples as well because we've kind of gone through the yeah. A-B testing really you know really A-B testing just comes down to changing things and seeing what works and seeing yeah. what doesn't work okay. in terms of um, so now that we've done the A-B testing and we kind of hopefully know a little bit around what works and what doesn't what's next getting the most out of your conversions long term i can give you some examples one thing is strong calls to action okay um and this is the biggest fail i see all of the time is that people don't concentrate on their calls to action enough um or they think i've got too many calls to action so they don't put any more on okay um your slider or so you, you when someone comes to your site you've got about eight seconds to convince them that they wow. need to continue yeah and that's on average it can be a lot less than that so if they come to your site if they come to a mobile site and it's not working see you later conversion lost if they come to your desktop site and it's not doesn't load see you later that's why speed's so important if they come to your site and it doesn't immediately answer their question they're gone if they come to the site and it does answer the question and you don't ask them to do something next, they're gone. <laughs> so there's so much to do with, with capturing those people and getting them to take an action. That's why calls to action are so important. And calls to action are buttons, right? So strong calls to actions in all the right places are really, really important. And add as many as you like. Um, one thing I hear from clients all the time is, you put that button there and it's also over there and it's up there as well. That's okay because repetitiveness is often the key to marketing. 
you know why, you know, when you're watching TV shows and you get hounded by the same ad over and over and over and over again. It's the same thing. It doesn't, Plumman's not looking at your site and going, oh my God, there are, you know, they've got, this, they've got calls to action all over their page. <laughs> they're reading the text. They're looking at the images. Those calls to action are just a chance for them to open a door. Yeah. So I want to take a quick step back because I love what you were saying before. When somebody comes to your site, you want them, you, well, you want to really tell them exactly what, what's here, what's That's here right. for them. So would you recommend talking about who you are and what you do? Or would you recommend it first being statement of a problem? Yes, yeah, so solve the, solve the problem. So that's okay. the number one thing you should be doing when someone first gets to your site. It's talking about the problem and solving the problem. So, hey, I know you're really tired and exhausted and you're not getting the right answers. I can solve that. Um, from, a step, from the top of the page to the bottom of the page, essentially it would be, I know what your problem is and I can solve it. I'm the best person for the job. Look at how many other people love me. Look at other businesses that problems I've solved. Here's how you can solve your problem with my pricing and packages. Here's an offer so that you don't leave without me capturing your information. You might validate again by saying, hey, look at all these other people that have, you know, here's another case study to convince you again. And here's another call to action. Don't leave without grabbing this. So really that's the step that you're taking. Okay. As if you were talking to somebody, it's the same kind of process. If you were going to a sales meeting, you'd be asking them first, hey, let's talk about your business and let's talk about the problems that you've got at the moment. Oh, that's great. We can solve that because we do this, this, this and this. Oh, and here's an example of how I've done that previously. Hey, here's a brochure. Take this away with you. I'll call you next week. I mean, that's a step that you would take if yes. you're in front of somebody and it's no different for your website. And I think... What happens is people get caught up in the, I love my brand. It's really exciting. I love all the images that I've had. And they are very important mm. things. They're super, super important. But then they don't say, hey, how am I solving the problem? How am I getting this person to convert into a sale? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, so in terms of other things as well, <clears throat> um, offers and opt-ins and, and calls to action on pages that you might have forgotten about. So when you, you know, everyone knows that they need to produce content and, and write blogs, people forget to put offers and opt-ins and CTAs on their blogs. It's really important. It's a really key place that you can convert someone. And your conversion might be that they take up their offer rather than purchasing at that point in time. But really important to have calls to actions in all of those places. And don't be afraid to scatter calls to action all over your website. Don't go crazy, of course. Yeah. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> but certainly, you know, mix it up. Say different things in different places. Make the calls to action look different. So if you see on sliders these days, they might have one button that's got a you know, wide outline and, and simple white text. The next one's bright red. Have several different types of calls to action. Say different words in them. Test them out. See what works and what doesn't work. Because we sometimes become a bit blind to things, don't we? Like if we see the same thing over and over again, it just, it doesn't really stand out. We just kind of pass it by a bit. Yeah. And look, people are essentially, when they're looking at your website, they're looking for something. So when they come along there, people read in a Z pattern. So they look across from left to right, back to left, back to right. Um, and they're looking to solve their problem. They're looking for, hey, I, you know, I've come here. My kid has a birthday party coming up. 
I want to book a birthday party with this person. I want to know where it is. I want to know what the price is. I want to know how good it is because I want to see the gallery. They're coming to find the things they're looking for. They're not going, oh, it's asking me to click a button here. That stuff just gets thrown out of their head until they find the information that they want. If they find the information they want and there's no call to action, they go, oh, that's great. I've got all this information. What do I do? There's nothing here to tell me what to do next. All right, so now I've got to find a phone number. Oh, there's no phone number up there. I'll go to the contact page. Mm. Oh, I'll go to the con- Oh, hang on. Something's happening over here. See you later. I'm gone. Yes. You know, versus I'm reading through this information. I've found out the package, the price. It's got all of that. That says at the bottom, book now. Yes. Oh, good. I'll book now. <laughs> it all sounds really simple, but you'd be surprised. And I reckon... You know, I would quote at least 80% of people get it wrong in terms of overall getting those calls to action in the right spot and making sure there's a flow of that purchasing decision. Yeah, but like I said, I've been on a lot of sites where I've been in a buying phase. Like I am there. I've made the decision I need X. I am ready to purchase. I have the money. I'm on the site. And for the life of me, I can't figure out... (laughs) And there's nothing more frustrating. And nothing more frustrating. And I get really angry about it, which is ridiculous. <laughs> like, why can't I buy this thing? And because we're so used to it when it works well, we go, oh, yeah, yeah. great. I've got my, and yeah. two seconds, I've got my new pair of shoes because yes. that person did it really well. Yes. Versus why is it not working? Yes. Why? And it shouldn't, you should be testing this. You should be, you should know that your funnels work. You should know that your purchasing process works because if it doesn't, See you later conversions. Yeah. See you later marketing Um, spend. And I've actually just recently experienced where somebody doesn't have a website. They're just selling on Instagram. uh, And I have to message backwards and forwards. And by the time it all kind of happened, I was over it. Yeah. So I, at the time I saw the dress and I was like, oh, I love that. And four days later, I'm like, meh, not so fast anymore. But because it's been such a hard transaction, I'm like, no, I think I'm done. That's right. And look, people these days have such short attention spans and it's yeah. a different buying, you know, there's different times that people are going to be in that buying phase for depending on the product. Yes. But essentially, people have very short attention spans and they have very short, uh, you know, periods in which they're willing to spend their yes. money. So you need to be making sure that you've got it right, that you've yeah. got that funnel right. That's when we talk about funnels. It's that you've got, you know, you know why they're coming there. And then how many steps are going to take to get to that end process and shorter the better yeah absolutely and i do think i mean i talk to my clients around follow-up of people that they've spoken to this is kind of once again another topic but we won't go into it where people are in a buying phase at a certain period of time and if you miss that window of opportunity either they will find another solution or they'll just go off the boil like it's just we are very fickle Mm. and we've got so much information coming at us all the time that you really do have to capture it when they're in that moment. That's right. And that's why um, opt-ins and offers work so much for service-based businesses because you might not be ready to buy right at that moment or you might be on the website and you run off doing something else. A lot of the times people are reading their mobiles on trains or mm. in buses or at the traffic lights. Don't I know that's illegal, but it happens. <laughs> and <laughs> people... You know, they're, yes. not constant, they're not concentrating on that site, but they yeah. may be willing to quickly put in their email address to get something to go, yep, okay, oh, yeah, I'll go kind look of at interested. that later. I'll go look at that later, yep, capture their email address. Then you've got them, you can follow them up. You can yeah. 
And that's why retargeting is important as well because you you know the person's mm. been to your site, you can retarget them with advertising down the track. Um, so another important thing which I kind of touched on before is creating separate pages for mm. products. <clears throat> now, this all depends on your overall marketing strategy and it depends on the type of business that you have and what you're doing in terms of driving traffic. So if you're driving traffic from your Facebook ads, then you're likely to have a lead page to capture leads. Um, if you don't have a lead page and you're just sending them to your website, you'll get less conversions because you're driving traffic to a specific or you're solving a specific problem with that traffic. So you're capturing a certain audience and then you may not be solving their problem immediately, so they'll disappear. And the same goes with PPC, so pay-per-click. Your keywords that you're targeting might be, say for instance, I'll give you an example. Um, I have websites and I also have Facebook advertising um, and marketing coaching. So there's three essentially different products which you can't really capture. If you put all of that stuff on your homepage and you're driving people via your pay-per-click to that website, <clears throat> different people are coming in for different reasons. So someone might be coming, hey, I want Facebook advertising and now I'm being bombarded with case studies on websites, not interested. Mm. So specific product pages will increase your conversions. Okay, great. Uh, capture forms, really important. A lot of people put these really complex capture forms. Now, if you look at mine, you might think I'm crazy because mine's actually quite complicated, but there's a reason I've got a few steps in there to try and filter out some people that might not be at the level they need to be at for my products. Yes. But capture forms, one of those things that I still see over and over again, way too complex, asking way too many questions. One thing as well is that if you ask for a phone number, it will reduce your conversions by about 40%. Wow. People don't like to give phone numbers. No, I don't. I normally put in a lot of zeros. Yeah. <laughs> like if it's a mandatory thing. And they don't even like being asked for it. Yeah, no, they'll I They'll just don't. turn, they'll just walk well, away. Well, because I don't want SMS messaging or, or I don't want calling somebody calling me before I've made a decision that they're somebody I want to work with. That's right. So leave phone numbers off. Yes. Capture email, um, capture, and look, there might be reasons why you need phone numbers. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. And don't be too put off by it, but I would test that. I would take it off and see if it increases your conversions and mm. then put it back on. So it's one of those things that you can try if you really desperately want to have phone number on there, but ideally leave phone number off and make your forms as simple as possible. Well, really I was just simple. about to say there's two things, isn't there? Because a contact form, I might ask for a phone number. Because yep. they actually want to get in contact with me. That's right. But if it's an opt-in of some sort where they're just getting information, then I don't really need their phone number. But like you That's said, right. it may be different for different businesses. Yeah, yeah, and different products. So it's just important to think about what you're putting into that form rather than just going, hey, I want all this information. Mm. I'm going to chuck everything in there. It's going to affect your conversion. So just have a think about it. And yeah. also simplified, I've, I've seen, um, I saw one recently, which was uh, for, a, there was a couple of different package options. What they wanted people to do was to commit to quite a complex process of, you know, you need to decide if you want, how many people you've got, whether you want like five different types of, of it was for a food, um, for a venue, whether you wanted, um, you know, level two, three, four, five or six drink packages, whether you want it, it's too complex. Wow. Um, particularly if you're looking at things like functions, they want to they want to talk to you first. They yes. want to get an idea of what the functions look like before they commit to anything. So simplify it and make it as easy as possible. 
The other thing that I did want to pick up on that I do think is a good point for those businesses that do maybe potentially have higher priced offerings is as you were saying, your form, maybe for some of your products or services, is more complex or is more you know, involved. Because at the end of the day, if somebody's willing to spend $10,000, $15,000 or whatever it is on something, then yes, my desire or you know, my ability to fill something longer in uh, is probably gonna be there because I'm, I get that this is gonna be a more involved process. Yep. and you do need to qualify. So I think that's yes. actually a great tip. If you do have a higher priced product and you are getting a lot of either tire kickers or people who are just not at the level that you need them to be at based on your prices, mm -hmm. then that's not a bad filtering system. Yeah, absolutely. So qualifying them yeah. is really important. Um, if you've got that service level that's outside, you know, people, you've got a budget that people need to, to meet, it is important. So it saves you time, <clears throat> filters out the people that, yeah, that don't need to be, or shouldn't be there. Yeah, and like I said, if you if it's a high price product, then I'm more willing to give you a lot more information. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's good for qualifying. It's really just about that coming back to that A-B testing or coming back to that testing. Find out what's working and what's not working. <clears throat> Even for those sorts of processes, you might find that you're actually out-qualifying some of the people that do qualify for some mm. reason. You might have a question in there that's ambiguous. Those sorts of things you'll find out from the pop-ups, um, you know, the pop-up surveys that you can put on or from the testing, user testing. So those are important for things like complex forms. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. This is really important and I'll say this firmly. <laughs> oh, I'm waiting for it, it now. It, it really is one of those things that it shouldn't be an issue to this day. Mobile optimization is the number one thing that you should be doing yes. right now. And it's not just about optimizing mobile. I think a lot of developers, um, because a lot of theme templates these days as well have automatic yeah. mobile optimization. Responsiveness, Responsiveness yeah. yeah. So it's great to have a mobile responsive site, but you can actually completely design your mobile to look different to your desktop. And that's important because people behave differently on mobile than they do on desktop. They often um, are you know, moving about more, they're mobile. Yes. So you can include more images. You can capture people with more images rather than text. Take out some of your text, redesign the whole thing for mobile so it's not as complex. High, bigger call to action buttons. Um, <clears throat> so you, know, you might on your desktop, you might have five logos that, that come across the screen. You might choose to show one or two of the, the more important logos to validate against. Change that design. Don't just automatically go, yep, it, it's responsive on mobile. Make it really optimised for mobile as well so you, you're able to convert more people from a mobile site. But at the very least, make it mobile responsive. There's still sure. so many sites that have been told their site's mobile responsive and it's really not. And so where would you go to design the mobile part of your website? So your website designer really should be giving you a mobile version. So you should be getting your desktop version when you first do the development. Um, they also should really be giving you a mobile version option. Or you can ask them, say, hey, this is great. Can you design me a mobile version as well? And so if you're, say, on a WordPress site and you've done your own, is that possible? Um, That's harder. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
you, you know, a lot of it's done in code. If you're if you're okay. a basic level designer or developer uh, or front end developer, let's call you, and you can you can dabble in the in the virtual uh, sorry the uh, visual composer or some other kind of builder. You're not going to be able to well. There are parts you can easily do that you can make. They, there is a section that allows you to change elements based on different devices, mm-hmm. but it's much more complex to just doing it yourself. You really need to engage designer and developer. If you're paying a decent amount for a website, say around the 5K mark, yes. it should be a basic thing that you'll get, yes. you get given. Anything lower than that, you know, you can forgive the person for not creating a mobile version as well, but at the very least, they need to be going in and checking what's working and what's not and making sure that you know they've, they've optimised it for each device. Yeah, okay, great. And so once our site is responsive, which should hopefully the majority of people's are, I work with a lot, of, a lot of large corporates sometimes and that is probably the biggest issue that we have is that they're not responsive because they've been around for so long. Yeah. Uh, so that is, yeah, a really big bug bear. But what else, is there anything else that we need to be thinking about? Um, it's really just testing and yeah. really, you know, it's really about understanding your value proposition and how you're solving problems and how your customers are, are finding that problem solution. So you need to be talking to customers, whether that be via a pop-up form, whether that be you know via a feedback form after they've made a purchase, whatever it is, you need to be asking questions about your website, um, about your experience, your buying experience, continually ask questions, continually monitor what's happening on your site. That's the only way you're going to be able to create a site that's optimized for conversions. And it, look, you know, it can get really technical and it can get, you can spend a lot of time getting down to the really nitty gritty, but at the very least, you'll be able to increase your conversions just by monitoring how people are behaving, particularly with your funnel. Um, and I guarantee that if most people put a hot jar on today or tomorrow mm. or crazy, I love it. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Love hot jar. Um, if you put it on tomorrow, you'll find at least one thing that will change your conversions. Mm. Whether that be that you've got a broken funnel or that people are, you know, a lot of the times that I find is that you'll, you'll put it onto a customer's website um, and straight away you know that, you know, 90% of these thousands of people visiting click on two menu items and nothing else, right? So then comes the question to the customer of, hey, okay, these other products that you've got lined up on your menu or these other menu items, are they important? Are they relevant? Do you need them? Um, Why aren't these two particular menu items on your slider? Mm -hmm. Why aren't they the first things that people see? Uh, You know, these are the sorts of questions you need to start thinking about. And if there's, you know, there's a a whole product that's not front and centre, what will happen if we do put it front and centre? How important is that to the business? If it's super important to the business and no one's clicking on it, why are they not clicking on it? Mm. Is it because they're not interested in it? Is it because the traffic that you're driving to the site is not being driven in relation to that particular product? Um, They're the questions that will come up for your business that are really, really, really important for conversions and for your business overall. Awesome. The reason why conversions, we've talked about it before, the reason why conversions are so important is because it maximizes your, your dollar spend. But have a think about it from, from return on investment. If you spend $500 on your website or, or nothing on your website and you get one lead, 
then your return on investment is very small, even though you know, you've spent hardly anything. Say you spend $5,000 on your website and your conversions are quite high and you're getting 50 leads from your website, then you get a return on investment always, almost straight away. And this is the kind of stuff that's really key and really important for making those marketing decisions across the board. Don't think of it in terms of, oh my God, how much are they asking me to spend? The question should always be, how much am I gonna get back? Okay, if I spend $10, will I get $5 back? If I spend $10, will I get $100 back? That's always the question you should be asking. Don't focus so much on how much you're spending on a website, focus on how much that person understands conversion optimization. Awesome, and so how often should we be checking that conversion optimization? Like, do you check yours every quarter, six months, 12 months? Like how? How often is it changing? Yeah, so I'm always looking at it um, out of interest more than anything, but it you should be looking at it frequently. I mean, if you've got your site working well and your optimizations are doing really well, you're sitting at 5% and that's all you need, then by all means, focus on other areas of your business. But most businesses will bring in new products, they'll bring in new packages. So you, as soon as you do that, you need to be constantly monitoring how that's converting. So you really, it's an ongoing thing. It should be the same as any other part of your strategy. It should be the same as your content that you're producing once a week or 10 times a week, however, however often you produce content. Um, it's, it's really an ongoing task. Um, but if you're sitting at 1%, you know, obviously you're gonna be focusing more on how much to bring that conversion up to. But if you really, if you haven't got much traffic coming into your site, if you're a small business, then you, you do need to be bringing traffic in. So obviously you'll be focusing on that. Once you've figured out if there are any holes in, in what your website's doing, if there's any issues with your funnel, if there's any issues that you can see with how people are interacting with your site, you can focus more on traffic. Once you've brought all the traffic in, you need to again focus on your conversions. Okay. Is that making sense? Absolutely. And the other question I had around content is say, because obviously whether it's vlogs or blogs or whatever it is, do you think that we should have calls to action on blog pages or on those content pages? Absolutely. So really, uh, I don't think there should be a page in existence that doesn't have a call to action. <laughs> that is, if you take nothing else away from this episode, that is what you should take exactly. away. There should never be a page on your website that doesn't have a call to yeah, action. Yeah, pretty much, because there's no point. Yes. Doesn't, there's no reason it exists unless you're it's asking somebody to do something. I mean, I'm trying to think of a circumstance where that wouldn't be true. But really, I mean, if, you're, if you've got an intranet in a company and you're purely providing people with information, Sure, no worries. There's no call to action. But if you're selling a product, you're you know if you're providing people with some kind of if you want to make money, you need a call to action. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And I mean, you can set up. I mean, I've got on my website where it's just got a setup. Well, the free the free opt in, which mm -hmm. is the yearly planner. Yeah. Uh, and that sits at the bottom of every single blog post. There are also links within the content that I write that are relevant to specific products or services that I'm referencing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is, it's interesting because I think I definitely want to go back and take a look with new eyes over my site and kind of go, is there a page? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to like all of my like 50 million pages. Uh, is there a page that doesn't have a call to action? And if it doesn't have a call to action, what is its purpose? That's right. Exactly. And also not just one page, you know, you mm. could have on a page, 
several points in which you're validating again. So you might have, um, you know, testimonials or, or you, you know, you have case studies at the top and down below, you've got testimonials and down below you might have a bit more information. There's separate points in which people are validating against. So they need separate calls to action. So it's not just one call to action, it's, it could be several. It doesn't have to be several, but it could be. And just back on the blog post too, your blog posts are a real opportunity for you to upsell or to sell. Yes. So, you know, you're talking, and, and I think people have been um, really conditioned to produce content for search, which is great. It's really important. We know that. It works really well for search. But you, a lot of the times that blog article is, is appearing well in search results. So that blog article is, is up front and center. It's not just about your keywords. Mm. People are reaching your site via that particular blog article. So once they get there, if you're not selling anything, they've got all the information they need and they've walked away. <clears throat> so it's really important to make sure that the blog article maybe talks about the product that, you know, let's, let's say the, the blog article's about conversions that the bottom of that blog article is saying, hey, we offer this, or hey, would you like a free 20-page guide mm. on conversions? Um, or hey, you can contact us, we yeah. do a free strategy call. Whatever it is, that that's there on that blog page. Yeah, love it. That was like my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite too. But so don't be scared of conversions. It's, it's really, you know, it's a, it's a word that means nothing but getting someone to buy something, really. Yeah, and I think that's what I was sort of saying at the very beginning is that funnels, conversions, all this sort of stuff, people feel kind of like, oh my gosh, like that's so technical and it's so hard. But at the end of the day, it really is just being really planned in the customer journey as far as the funnel goes. So where are they starting? Where are they going to? Where are they ending up? And is that an easy and a good uh, experience and process for them where they're getting what they want at the end of the day? Uh, yeah, and the conversion is obviously, yeah, just making sure that you've got that call to action mm. so that people can take you up on the offer. Yeah, exactly. And so it's really just changing that mindset of, I just need to brand or I just need to drive traffic. I just mm. need to get leads. It's saying, hey, I, I, I need to do all that stuff, but I also need to make sure that customer experience is right, that they're able to buy from me, that they're able to buy from me easily. And, and what can I do to, to increase that so I can get more out of the dollars and time that I'm spending on search activities and content production? Awesome. Liza, you are a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> I thank you for today. It's just been so insightful uh, and I just think that there were so many nuggets there that are really easy for business owners to go away and kind of take a look at their site with fresh eyes and really see you know what's working and what's not. I love the tools obviously Hotjar. We'll have a lot of the links to some of the tools uh, that you've mentioned today below in the show notes but if people want to find you firstly what kind of clients do you normally work with? So really small to medium business that's established, that, that really wants to ma maximise their marketing spend or, or increase their leads um, through lead generation, Facebook marketing, so Facebook advertising, LinkedIn advertising, um, and, and rebuilding their website. So getting more out of their website. Yes. Um, yeah, maximising marketing spend. Awesome. And where can they find you? Uh, so they can find me at wavecreative.com.au. Fantastic. And once again, we'll have all those links below. But thank you so much for today. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. There were so many great tips in there. I really think that you almost need to 
always have a jotter pad when you are listening to the podcast so that you don't miss anything and that you can write down and then go and take action, which is what it's all about, really. One of the things that I really love about doing a podcast and having these guests on as well as doing my solo shows is really giving you actionable, practical things that you can do in your business to get the most out of what you're doing. So thank you so much for listening and being here. If you enjoyed this episode, then I would love you to share it with your friends, colleagues or community and leave a review in iTunes. I would so appreciate it. You can also follow me on Instagram at connectionexchange underscore and on Facebook, where I do Facebook Lives, at Suzanne Chadwick TCX. Have an awesome day and I will see you next time.